Rice, we're rolling. On this podcast, we'll be talking about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. This is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Start. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? You know, by this stage, every week. There's no, no point in even starting. Yeah. How are you, Dave? How's things? Fuck's sake. I'm just going to do it because we've tried this a few times. Now we're not even deleting it. Now we're going to go. Hi, guys. Welcome to Social Antics, another marketing podcast. We've got a guest today, Dave. We do. Who is it? Uh, his name is Harry McCann, former oh, yes. UCC student. Um, we're going to do the intro in a second, but how was your week? My week was very good, actually, yeah. yeah. I couldn't wait to get back into the studio here to record. That's a lie. <laughs> well, it's, it's, either, week. it's either the sign that you're a liar or a moron. It's one or the other. <laughs> I'll let you pick. <laughs> How was your week? Weekend was good. Weekend was good. Busy week, good weekend. Enjoying the sunshine? Oh, enjoying the sunshine, yeah. I saw my grandmother for the first time in about two years because of COVID. I learned she? that uh, she was horrified. She had, I learned that at one point in time, I don't know when, I didn't go into the gory details, she turned down the podcast oh and her, her angelic son was, or son. son, grandson, was effing and blinding and saying whatever he did about Mark Zuckerberg and who, she was not impressed. Who put that cop shit on <laughs> exactly, exactly like that, exactly like that. So yeah, more important you always you. forget what. Where's my... Rascal Bruin. It was limited edition. Sorry, okay. Plus, I don't like you that much. That's right. I didn't get you the Christmas either. Oh, I won out there. I reckon somehow or another. Right. So this week we have Harry McCann on. Uh, looking forward to chatting to him. So yeah. we we'll go straight into it. Yeah. At just 22 years old, the Irish award-winning entrepreneur has established himself in the business and political world, not only as a thought leader but a powerful voice for youth. Not only does Harry have an extensive background in youth affairs, public speaking and entrepreneurship, Harry is also a respected journalist and presenter, regularly features on TV, podcasts and radio. Harry, welcome to Social Antics. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. No problem. What's your uh, coming towards the end of the summer? What's it like? What are you up to? Yeah, it's strange. Um, it's the first summer in my life where I'm... So I'm not voluntarily going back to education, but I suppose, you know, when you're school each year and you're getting ready to go into new year and new year and new year. And then obviously after school, most of us go to college and I'm ready to go to college. And then obviously I finished in UCC in May. So I'm now going to do a master's in September, but it was the first time ever where I've kind of said all of my educational responsibilities are done and dusted with. I can go back if I really want to, but I didn't have to. So uh, yeah, it's a bit, a bit of a strange one, but I've, I've opted for the extra year. So um, yeah, I'm back to education. And what, and what did you study and what are you going into study? So I did digital humanities and IT in UCC um, still don't know what that was exactly. <laughs> but very, enjoyable, very enjoyable three years. And then I'm going to do political communications in DCU. So a completely different kettle of fish for my sins. But more probably down the route of what you do. Yeah, like it's, I suppose originally I did look at uh, government and politics and UCC and that was what I was really interested in, but I'm, I'm not academically particularly bright and um, I managed to get through things, I managed to get through the Leaving Cert and through college, but I kind of opted for something that was a bit more hands-on, a bit more practical um, and I thought with the kind of computer aspect of things I'd be a bit better off than trying to write thousands and thousands of words, but 
as time's gone on, I'm, I'm kind of a bit more confident now academically. So I'm, I'm hopeful that I, I've managed to make it through this master's. Um, but it's a bit more relevant to what I'm kind of hoping to do and what kind of the aspirations are. And I gave a kind of a, I suppose, a very broad kind of introduction to yourself. Introduce yourself. What, what exactly, who, who exactly is Harry McCann? What do you do? Yeah, other than being a complete spoofer. Um, <laughs> Welcome been, to another two here. Successfully <laughs> yeah, spoofing for the last God knows how long. Um, yeah, so look, I started my first business when I was 15 um, to teach kids about coding, computer coding, which was a passion of mine growing up. And after I, I started that, I suppose I always just think it was a kind of a ripple effect. It was one thing led to another. I, I started a thing called the Digital U Council then, and the Digital U Council was the first of its kind in the world at the time and was a model to basically uh, bring young people together to be a voice uh, in science, technology, engineering, and maths, more commonly known as STEM. And we worked with governments, and we worked with uh, big businesses here in Ireland, trying basically, and, and around the world, to give young people a voice in an important topic at the time, and it still is, I suppose, it's very trendy and very relevant, but things like data protection, online safety, education in the space. And we worked with everybody from your Facebooks to your Googles to the European Commission, and as I said, the Irish government on that. And that was very successful for a number of years and we implemented a lot and, and got to change quite a bit of policy. Um, and then that model was replicated into the UK and the Netherlands and, and to Canada and most recently, um, which is an, a, quite a strange one. But um, moving on then from that, I, I set up Trendster Media, which is probably my most latest venture. Um, and that's just digital media. So it's, it's kind of putting all of the tools and tricks that I've learned over the years and kind of my passion and I suppose what I'm half decent at to, to good use and um, for businesses, individuals, all that kind of crack. So there's nothing too fancy to it. I suppose it's just a younger person's perspective on digital media and marketing um, and trying to add a, a bit of a, a new touch to things. But uh, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Between that then, I, I do a lot of media stuff. As, as you said, I, I contribute a lot to conversations on young people and on the kind of the future of everything. Um, and I tend to be the uh, the token young lad, I think. <laughs> um, and that's to put it frank, but I, it's funny because people don't even, they have no shame in saying that. I, I know for a fact, any researcher or booker will call up and they'll go, you know, any chance you're free? And going, yeah, yeah. And they go, what age are you now? And I'm like, I'm 22. And they go, ah, yeah, you're still young enough. That's fine. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'd like to think I'm still young for another couple of years, but uh, my USP is slowly fading. <laughs> and and kind of doing a bit of research on what you do in the companies. And I came across um, another interview that you did. And basically you were just saying they're kind of becoming an advocate and, you know, speaking out for young people and, and, and all that and I, I seen one of the, the lines that you kind of using it was and let's look it's a well-known phrase but young people should be seen and not heard you know it's a kind of very general phrase we hear it a lot when you hear something like that you know what 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 kind of what does that make you feel yeah I suppose look from my point of view it's it's it's, it's frustrating because a lot of the time I'm brought in half the conversation has been had over and over again so usually there's uproar about something that young people have done um, in some way, shape or form. And we've overanalyzed it in the media for weeks and weeks. And then I'm brought in and somebody goes, you know, well, what do you think? And I'm going, well, like this conversation is kind of irrelevant and it's unnecessary and could have been avoided in the simple case that when you look away in the room and you're having a conversation about young people and the youngest person in the room is a 50 year old, you can go, it's not really a fair conversation. Yeah. And when people go unrepresented in these conversations, they become scapegoats and they become 
you know, the blame for everything. And that's what happens a lot. And it happened a lot during COVID-19. I was, I was brought in in conversations where people were talking about, you know, what was happening in colleges. And I'm like, you haven't stepped foot near a college in about 20 years. And I go, when you did, there was no such thing as the internet. And I'm like, you can't talk about what college life is like as somebody who's never even been near it or hasn't been in it in, in God knows how long. So it's, it's annoying because I think a lot of the time young people get sick purely because we're underrepresented or unrepresented in a lot of conversations. And if there was a case where there was more tokenistic young lads like myself, <laughs> we'd, probably, we'd probably be a bit better off. But yeah, that look, it's, it's so old Irish, I suppose, not seen, to be seen and not heard. But I've kind of tried to push back on that as much as I possibly can over the last few years. And I think a lot of more young people have, especially with social media now being so prominent. It's, it's a great opportunity to really speak up and be heard. Yeah, I think it's actually, that's a good point that you made there. But I also think that the problem is with a lot of conversations that happen around young people, like you said there, the token young fella, i.e. every young fella is the same, or all young people are the same, and it's that generic kind of term. Whereas if you have one young person on, all right, that's they're speaking for all young people, where you probably have, again, several grey-haired, middle-aged to elderly old men there as well, talking about the same conversation, rather than having three young people with differentiating opinions, for example, which is what we kind of should be leaning towards. And that kind of interests me in terms of the idea of the Digital Youth Council. Can you talk a little bit more about that in terms of, I suppose, how it worked for a start and then how you actually went about impacting on policy and what that actual policy was? Because it seems like a very, very, like, obviously, look, young people are always mis- um, underrepresent- underrepresented Um and I think it's very, very interesting to see an organization like that impacting governments, working with big organizations like Facebook, Virgin, so on and so forth. So can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. So, look, I completely agree. And, you know, like I've often turned down the opportunity on, on multiple occasions to be that tokenistic young lad for the pure fact that I just can't speak for everybody. I can't speak for a generation. It's not possible, you know. Um, and I've always tried to do that where. I think if you're going to have a panel or you're going to have a conversation, you know, I lean one way in a lot of things and I'm, I'm quite, you know, I'm not very, I'm more conservative on a lot of things and I, I suppose very traditional as well. So I, I don't think I should be that voice for, for everybody my age. And that was what the Digital Youth Council was, to be honest, was that I built quite a good platform. I'm, I'm good on social media. I'm good communicator and I, I tend to get my point across well and I t- tend to be the go-to person for that. What the Digital Youth Council was, was to find people like myself um, who were like-minded, but I suppose not necessarily had the exact same views and who were able to represent the voice of the generation that we were trying to represent. And the GDU Council was give or take about 10 to 15 people every year. And um, they were from all over the country, which is a massively important point as well, because when we talk about technology, there's a difference, even like things like Wi-Fi, there's a very big difference between Wi-Fi in Donegal and, and Wi-Fi in Dublin, you know? Uh, one is non-existent, the other is fiber optic and high-speed broadband, you know. So that's that was a big thing is geographically there's a huge difference in what it's like to be a young person. From an age point of view, it's a huge difference from an economic point of view. So we brought together people from all walks of life. We sat around the table and we were going, what are the issues that are important to us? And after that, it was reaching out to all of these important people who a lot of the time were speaking to us to tick a box on a, a form realistically you know when you put policy together they were like we spoke to the young people we spoke to the old people we spoke to the middle-aged people and, and we were just one of those boxes and yeah it, look i think in a lot of cases we were successful in those conversations and we did implement a lot of really positive change on, on all levels and a lot of those companies were very willing and very open to speaking to us and implementing the change 
And as time went on, we became more influential because we had had the conversations with those people in the past. But look, I, I think my biggest frustration with the whole thing was I was walking into rooms with people who were not even half my age and were kind of looking at me as if I was their son or, you know, their, their grandson in some cases and I'm kind of going, how seriously are they taking me? And, and mm. the real answer was a lot of the time, probably not very seriously, um, unless you found the really good people who you do come across often enough. I think I, I like, so say for example, my, my, when I kind of started out going into an area of business and marketing and all that kind of stuff, I was kind of focused more on the hospitality side of stuff and, and, and music and I like hospitality paid the bills for me. And I kind of started working my way up in terms of um, bar manager, restaurant manager. I was doing a lot of that kind of work and uh, turning into operation manager roles. I was very young doing those kind of roles. I was 21, 22 never mentioned my age anywhere tried to hide it tried not to mention because it was going against me so like you're going on the opposite you're mentioning it and it's still going against you you know it's it's it's, it's interesting to see both sides of it yeah it is and it's funny because i have from day one i've always done that i've always made it very clear what age i am because in some cases it's helped me like i've had conversations in rooms that many people would struggle to get into and i often find it's because i start off in the very first line of all my emails used to be you know hi my name is harry mccann i'm 15 years old or something, <laughs> yeah. you know? i'm a student in such and such and instantly you know they're gonna they're gonna respond because no one's be the ass that didn't respond to the 16 year old who took their time out of their day to email them but they also then try to facilitate it as much as they can as i said i, I had some really mad opportunities over the years and I, I'm guaranteed because it was that. But in a lot of cases, you said you, you sit around the room and you're kind of like, is anybody even listening to me here? Or am I just here for a box ticking exercise? And you, you look, there's probably a social science about you could probably work it out in the end. It probably did work out more times for me than it didn't. But I think at the end of the day, we, we see, sometimes look at people and base their experience off of their age. Whereas I don't know how fair that is or how right that is because I've met people who are twice my age who, to be honestly, I wouldn't trust tying shoelaces, never mind leading businesses <laughs> or, or doing anything half important. So I don't know. Sometimes age is only a number, and I, I think that's probably what we need to, to think about a bit more. Do you think that there's enough, and I'm going to be careful about how I phrase this, but do you think that <laughs> think there's... About think about it. <laughs> do you think so? Like, I mean, even our set, like, I mean, I would be... Guilty is the wrong word, but I mean, I would have an issue with certain... Um, the way certain influencers inverted commas it's a very very broad term and um, go about their business others are very very impressive in terms of what they do we were slagging off only fans um content creators last week whereas in reality joe do you think there's enough of getting again only fans content creators influencers uh younger kind of tiktok tiktokers who've been making a name for themselves literally just since the start of covid do you think there's enough of those type of voices present in traditional media and then there are so many people who are uneducated because we don't actually talk about any of this stuff we immediately assume oh they're oh yeah they're only fans they're getting their bits out online that's not interesting to talk about or sort of elicit in some way do you think that there's actually there should be more contributions from these people who are culturally very very impactful but because they're not seen as mainstream news or they're not journalists per se they're kind of not, they don't have any impact or very, very little impact in terms of traditional media, which a lot of older generations would still would still kind of look towards, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting conversation. So I've been very critical of influencers in the last God knows how long. I, I've, from the beginning, it's not really a trend. I, I've, I've jumped on to massively and it's, it's because I, look, 
they come and go. They they tend to be, you know, there's the flavor of the month in the sense that, you know, the guy to the left, he is really popular now and he'd be very popular for a couple of months. And then there's the guy from the right comes along and the girl from the left and whatever. So it, it's, it's one of these things that these voices fade and they go and they come and it tends to just be they kind of ride the trend a small bit. I think at the moment there's some voices that get far too much attention and some that don't get an, enough attention in a sense that the, the only fans conversation is probably the best one we have a lot of conversations about it in the media especially since the announcements of their talks about removing explicit mm-hmm. content and so on and so forth and again I, I laugh because you're going to go and the people we're talking to this talking to about it are people who have never looked at the platform have no idea what it's about yes. and have no real you know they've nothing in the game they've no stake in the game you know and what whether you think it's right or you think it's wrong that's a something it's a moral decision and it's, it's up to every individual to decide themselves but at the end of the day you can't have a fair and conversation and understand it properly until you speak to somebody who makes x amount a month off of it who relies on it to you know pay their rent and pay their bills and i think a lot of time we're quick to jump to the conclusion that you know what yeah they pull their bits out to make a bit of extra cash and go holidaying and i beat that every month some people take their bits out to go and make money to put themselves through college. And I've seen reports, I've seen studies on it in the US and in, in other countries where college is a lot more expensive than it is here, where people have to use it to make ends meet. And, you know, it's, it's a really sad and unfortunate situation. But the problem is you don't hear those stories often enough because we put the three or four pundits who don't even know how to use their phone most of the time to talk about an app or an application that they've never even looked at before and make judgment on people whose lives they've never even heard of or shoes they've never walked in. So I think from the influencer point of view, a lot of them do have a lot to say about culture at the moment and what's happening in society. And I think they should be given more of a platform. We're a bit afraid of them because, you know, they tend to be a bit more explicit online or they tend to be a little less held back. And that's not what we want in traditional media, especially here in Ireland. But the time will come where, you know, they'll push to them. And I have seen that more recently. I've seen a few people getting radio slots and places and, and some local radio even who are TikTok famous, who seem to be kind of the flavor of the month at the moment, but are going to push their way into traditional media. And whether that's right or wrong, I suppose that's the conversation to be had. And do you, and do you, do you in terms of you using social media, you know, obviously you're quite kind of outspoken on a lot of platforms. I think even... I think I even jumped in on one. I think that's when I kind of first started getting talked to you maybe about two years ago. I remember seeing someone giving out to you the usual, the age card. Someone was having a go at you about what gives you the right to speak on someone's behalf or whatever, something like that. And I know you got involved in it as well. Uh, I don't normally get involved in those kind of conversations. Try not to anyway. But do you, from being outspoken, do you find yourself getting a lot of, you know, we talk all about hate messages and, you know, kind of pure negativity online. Are you receiving much of this kind of stuff? Um, the dark side of social media would say so social media has been an interesting one for me in the sense that it's given me an awful lot it's given more to me than i suppose in good in a good sense in a bad sense so like i i started out doing what i was doing and i set up a twitter account and and that has given me so much over the years connections opportunities and and so on and so forth so i'm a huge fan of social media and um, i'm outspoken but i'm funded Funny enough, and a lot of people will laugh at it because they know how I spoke now on subjects. I'm also quite reserved on a few things. You know, there's things that I don't speak about because of the fact that I know. Well, you're not, you're not speaking for the sake of it. You speak on something that you feel like you need to or you feel like you should jump in. You know, you're not yeah. just throwing, throwing a, a, a fishing rod out and hoping someone to catch it for the sake of it, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. And like, I can, and like, I know for a fact, there's um, 10 times a day I hold myself tweeting something. And I know if I put it out, I could be on the radio in the afternoon or some journalist will ring me for a newspaper quote in the morning. And I, I know I could do it. And I, I just don't because look, from my point of view, I try to work with brands and organizations and, and um, brands and companies who are of a certain caliber. And I know that they don't look fondly upon those, you know, er- erratic outbursts on social media. So I try to hold myself back a small bit. But I think, yeah, look, I get abuse, but I kind of laugh it off. You know, I don't really pay much attention or give much value to people who I've never met before in places I've never been to before, who I'll probably never meet. It's it's funny. And like I, I do, and people who are in my close friends group and Instagram will see often enough, I sometimes reshare some of the, the funny messages I get after a radio interview. And it's very funny. Like it is, it's, it's awful funny because I'm like, some accounts have actually dedicated themselves to just posting about me and, and how I'm a it's usually something to do with a political party or two and how I'm you know up there something or licking there something and I'm like okay I'm like relax a small bit here I'm like you I'm living in your head rent free you need to step back from this so I, I, I look at it from that point of view and I get it sometimes I get it more times uh, intensely and sometimes a little more relaxed but I, I just it just doesn't impact me it really doesn't and I know it does impact some people and it's not right and I don't encourage and I don't promote it but I just look at it and kind of go for what it is. It's some guy in some bedroom with a keyboard in front of him. He thinks he's great and realistically won't get much attention anyway. So I don't, I don't add much value to it, but I do get it. And I think most people do, but I have a very small audience in comparison to most. So um, I can only imagine getting that, you know, every single day nonstop is probably very mentally draining um, and does have an impact. Do you think that, because like a lot, look, you're very, very pro technology, right? You wouldn't have set up digital you council, all that stuff. You are, do you think that because of that, and I saw your show when you, I think it was Eating with the Enemy, I think it was on RT. Do you think that because you're kind of wheeled out as the no technology is great and young people know about technology, I'm generalizing here now, obviously for the purpose of this, <laughs> but and technology is good and young people use it and a lot of other people don't understand it necessarily. Do you think that sometimes that the nuances of your argument probably get lost because Eret is the young fellow who just loves technology and to hell with the consequences of it. Do you think that's a bit of an issue for some of the stuff that you've done publicly, I suppose? Yeah, and like my views have changed in years gone by, you know, like I'm I'm very happy to admit that as I've gotten older, I, I can see some of the pros and, and some of the very obvious cons that I would have missed growing up, you know, things that I was I was young and naive and looked at social media as being a fantastic tool to communicate. But at the end of the day, it's also a very nasty place. And, you know, we all seen the, the Netflix documentaries, you know, we've all seen, you know, the shows about what negative impacts technology have on our everyday lives and what they do with our data and what it does to our mental health. And I I suppose I did buy into that dream of a connected world. You know, I do have that, you know, romanticized idea of what technology is about and what social media can be in the world. But I also understand the negatives to it. And I think what a lot of people don't have is those two perspectives. And in the conversations I have with people, people either love it or they absolutely hate it. And nobody can really look at the middle ground. I think it's a lot to do with social media now is because we all feel that we have to pitch our tent in some half or the other half. You know, we can't just sit on the fence and go, okay, let's hear both sides. Let's discuss both sides and let's come up with, you know, real ideas that are backed up by facts and statistics and science. And, you know, I speak an awful lot about this idea that people look at one or two incidents. They use, um, uh, evidence what's the word i'm looking for and i can't it's not coming to my mind but they they use personal experiences and try to push that across as being you know pure fact and i don't think that's right in a lot of times 
And I think what people need to do is kind of be happy enough to sit in that middle ground on that fence and understand what both sides have to say. I, as you said, I get wheeled out for shows like Eating with the Enemy where I have to pick one side and the other person has to be the other side. But I think anybody who watched that will have seen that I actually didn't jump down the other person's throat and she didn't jump down my throat either because we both understood where we were coming from and both agreed that changes need to be made no matter what. And that's what I think technology is. It's, it's ever evolving. It's ever changing. You can't have one view or another view. You need to be open to both sides and, and make your mind up based on the evidence and the facts. And in terms of specifics, then, like, I mean, so you mentioned their ideas that you might have or something like that. Like, I mean, if you take social media as a very, very broad concept at the moment, and there's, what is there, about seven of them now, and they all do the exact same fucking thing. <laughs> um, but, like, I mean, if you take all those, is there a few, two or three key points that you would do if you were either a policy change or if you were a, a CTO inside Facebook or at any level or from either side of either political or from the market position, is there anything at the moment that you would just go in and change in terms of the way the platform works, in terms of a user experience, in terms of policy, in terms of anything like that? What are the few things that you think if we did these things, we might have a really, really interesting platform here? Yeah, I think there's, there's, look, there's a number of conversations that have been had. The biggest one I think that's been had and, and does need to be looked at more is this idea of providing, um, providing ID um, sometimes, yeah. so, sometimes yeah, definitely. Form of identification to verify who you are so that you can go onto these platforms. And I think there's very few places or few, very few walks of life where you can't do that or you can get away with being anonymous. And I don't think the internet needs to be that place because at the moment it's turned into a place of no law really. And, and, you know, there just needs to be a structure to it. And I think that would be a really good first step. Now, I, I don't want to be the person who's going to put the pros and cons to all these, but the cons of that was pointed out to me very fairly by somebody who said that in certain situations, people like to use these platforms anonymously for good reasons in the sense that they want to express their views on something or sometimes they just want a place to be able to talk and be themselves. So if somebody is struggling with their identity or with their gender, or with who they are, or who they want to be, they'd like to do that anonymously. And I can understand that. And sometimes people feel that they're persecuted and they're in a situation where they can't speak their own mind and they can't be who they are. And I have seen that too. So I, I put that across, but I do think that's a very small problem and it's a very small minority. And unfortunately, the majority outweighs them um, in this case. So that's the first change I'd make. Um, from a complaints point of view as well, I would like to see more real people behind the complaints platforms to these places. So. I know from speaking to them in the past, they'll all argue that, you know, firstly, it's, it's very grueling work and it can be quite difficult for people to do it and to go through all of these complaints. But like I had a comment a couple of months back about me and it was horrific. Like I couldn't even repeat it word for word, but it was horrifically bad. And I remember putting it through Twitter and it wasn't that it really bothered me, but I just didn't want it sitting there, you know, and I put it through and they came back and said, no, it wasn't against their terms or our terms of service. And it didn't break this and it didn't break that. And I'm going, there's no way, there is absolutely no way that this doesn't break your term of service. Like you can follow up the complaint with an email to so-and-so and I'm like, oh, I didn't even bother. But I think a lot of the time, if we had some people behind those complaints and looked into them and really dealt with them and addressed them, the platform would be much better places and things would get resolved more quickly. And then, yeah, generally, I think it could be a bit more responsibility sitting with those platforms as well. They are the publishers, you know, any other platform in the terms of a newspaper or a radio show or a television show, would be responsible for what the people say when they're on them. And I think from a social media point of view, a little bit more responsibility. I'm not saying all of the responsibility, but a little bit more should sit with them and they should, you know, pay the price for what's being said on their platforms and done on their platforms. 
No, I think the two, the two things you brought up there, we've spoke about on the show before and and we strong advocates that, yes, I, I actually, it's interesting. I've never heard, I don't know if you have, but that side of the, you know, people wanting um, to be anonymous for a reason. It was interesting as well what you said there in terms of, um, you know, complaints department, which is also something we talked about. And we talked a lot around the whole air at the time of Trump and fake news. And, you know, it came up a lot then that if something is being flagged hundreds, if not thousands of times, there should be someone there flicking the button at the end and saying, no, this is not there. Get it's rid a of difficult it. difficult you know? job that I, I, I think I know what you're referring to. You hear about these guys. There was an office up in Dublin at one point and they were basically screening all the videos that came through on Facebook yeah. and you had beheadings, child pornography, yeah. just the most horrific of things. And you people had to get like serious treatment afterwards, which is where the platforms come into it, right? Because that problem goes away if everyone is verified. Yeah. So there's True. things that you can do which solve other problems. And the one that you said there at the start is absolutely spot on. Verify absolutely everyone. Yeah. Um, and I know you weren't advocating for the, the argument that was made to you. No, but no, I, mean, I, I, should, I should point that out. So this was, I put up a thing of, a few months back where I said, um, hashtag no face, no name, no tweet, in the sense that I wouldn't interact with anybody who just didn't. Oh, that's good. You can see why he's good at the communication. Well, that's good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, all great way of just saying, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, that's one, right? So, like, I had put something out in the media and I'd said something that was really controversial. A lot of people had come back and I was like, look, I can't be dealing with all this abuse from people. And I was like, I'm not going to respond to everybody. And I'm particularly not going to respond to some individual who can't put their name and face behind it because at the end of the day, I say what I mean and I mean what I say. And I put my face and my name behind it and I'm happy to take the, the brunt of whatever it is. But I also expect people to engage with me on the same level. Now, a handful of individuals came back and said exactly what I put across there about the fact that they do it for a certain reason. But look, it's a small minority, and I think there might even be a way around it. But realistically, when it, look, when you look at it from a plain, simple point of view, which is that people put anonymous accounts because they don't want to stand by it. And because most of the time they're saying stuff that their employers wouldn't support, they wouldn't actually say in person to your face. And that they're doing it because, you know, they're bored and they're bored and they're taking it out. Just looking for controversy for the sake of it, like really. Shocking. And it's so it's so frustrating because I know that people go back and they go, oh, he has no response for me. Like, you know, I've outwitted him. And I'm like, no, you haven't. It's just that you're an absolute tool who won't put your face behind what you're saying. And I'm not going to stoop to your level. But anyway, that's my moan of the moan of the day. (laughs) (laughs) And what in terms of the Digital Youth Council and, and everything that's going on there, what areas are you kind of focusing on really now at the moment? Is there, do you know, what what are the main areas that you're looking at? So in, in recent years, the, the biggest focus has always been on things like data privacy is a big one and online safety. Um, I know globally, any of the youth councils who are, are working on big issues are along the same lines. Um, and it's important, online safety in particular for kids. I've heard horror stories, like I have heard horrific stories and I'm more on a European level but I was at a conference a few months back where I was I was listening to parents speak about enough few months sorry a year or two now obviously with COVID and I, I heard parents speak about their children who had taken their own lives because they just couldn't handle the abuse they were getting and they had nowhere to go and they couldn't turn it off and they couldn't get away with it and, and that to me is really scary and frightening and, and like it's a very small number of people but it's far too many as well and I think we don't hear about it often enough, but you know, suicide is a very big issue in this country and around the world still. And I think social media is a huge part to play with it from a young person's point of view, especially for mental health, is that a lot of them go to school and you know, everyone's gone to school and everyone's had a bully at some stage in their life. And you know, you, you go to school and you listen to that and you come back and you go, oh, I have to go to school again tomorrow. But the problem is now they go to school, they come back and they have to listen to it on 
Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or whatever it is, you know? So that, that to me is a really big issue. And it's something that a lot of the platforms recognize and a lot of them are putting tools out to try and stop that. But it's, it's also, it's a complete educational thing as well. Um, because I don't think it's really anything to do with platforms or technology. I think it's to do with how people sometimes don't feel that their words have as much power when they type them into a keyboard and put it onto a platform. They sometimes think that's less uh, significant or less impactful than it is saying into your face. So I think that's an educational thing. And that's what we've really pushed from the beginning is that young people should be taught about technology and how to use social media in schools and how to behave online and their digital footprint and all those important topics in school. Because look, we, we teach about sex education because sex is a normal part of life. And you know, most people will do it at some stage or another. Same things with technology, you know, somebody's going to have a phone at some stage and they're going to go on social media. So it should be part and parcel. I'm not saying it should be the same class, but <laughs> it should be part and parcel. Yeah, it's different. It must be tough as well because I know a lot of teach and like, they couldn't teach about, again, most teachers can teach about sex because most of them have had it, whereas a lot of them haven't been on TikTok, nor do they understand it. Absolutely. And I think, they, and they've never gone through. So someone, I was in an interview recently enough, and they basically said that if you were bullied as a young fella, um, when we were growing up, everything was kind of physical. It was in your face. And even if it was verbal, it was physical. It was in your face. It was shouting and roaring. Whereas with um, bullying online, it's more relational it's more the kind of picking and it's again more associated with your kind of mental health. And again, ultimately, if you keep on getting punched in the arm, okay, your arm's going to get sore, but you're going to get better. Whereas if you're young and you don't know how to deal with verbal um, or not verbal, sorry, relational bullying over a period of time, that's where all the problems come from. And it's the bit like, it's the bully's best tool. If he wants to bully something and you can send something, someone who disappears. And if you don't, and if you don't screenshot it, then, oh, well, you're a rat or whatever the story is, you screenshot what I sent to you. Like, it's a bully's dream if you wanted to use these platforms to go after someone, like, you know? Yeah, it is. And, like, I, I grew up in a really interesting time, and I suppose I was, like, I was what I'd call a part of Generation Tech. So I grew up just at that stage when everyone was getting their Nokias. So everyone was texting each other. And I remember it was very funny whenever you used to fancy a girl. You'd, you'd compare how many times you've texted her compared to how many times your mate had texted her because the phones used to be able to count how many times you'd sent her. <laughs> like a snap stream. I sure remember that, Jay. You only yeah. do so much, you'd have to, you'd have to delete the, the trailer. Web, web, yeah. te web text. Yeah. Oh, phenomenal, phenomenal technology. But um, as time went on, then obviously it was into things like Snapchat and so on and so forth. So I suppose I've seen that progression. And it, like, I think I'd never want to grow up now. I'd never want to have grown up with the smartphone in the sense that I wouldn't want to be my first introduction to technology. I think I was kind of weaned into it a small bit. And I think it's, it is, it's a bully, bullier's, a bully's paradise in the sense, as you said, it's a lot of the time, it's very hard to really hold them responsible because they do delete it. They get rid of it. They use platforms that are designed for that reason. And I think most kids just aren't equipped with the tools or the mindset to be able to handle that and it's a really sad situation i think as well for parents and teacher i, I don't think they're equipped either really no. to be because how could you be like everyone like okay everyone's parents are a generation behind obviously because uh, it's a generation behind but with technology the way it changes so often you can understand how a parent now or a parent that grew up just before the kind of tech boom wouldn't be even even able to comprehend how kids are communicating in a variety of different ways. And again, the like the concept of OnlyFans, like 
what was the Tommy Tiernan joke? It wasn't so long ago we couldn't be left-handed in this country. Yeah, never mind, never, never mind an OnlyFans account. Like, do you know what I mean? So totally changed, totally changed. In terms of you, Harry, then, like, I mean, so obviously you've been Digital Youth Council. You've got your own kind of media stuff. You've obviously done a lot of stuff with media. You're writing for Irish Times, News Talk, Stuff Journal. Do you ever see yourself getting into politics or something along that? Or are you more of a, the guy in the background pulling the strings? What do, what do you think the future holds? They're you know? called markers, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> <Consultants>. <laughs> political strategists. I believe they're up. Consultants. Yeah, it's it. Look, I go back and forth on it multiple times. If you had asked me when I was growing up, when I was a child, like a small child, what I wanted to be, I would have told you I wanted to be the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Um, based on my very little understanding of <laughs> Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Oh yes, yes, I was obsessed. Now I mean obsessed with David Cameron, right? And I don't know why, and I have no idea why, but it's embarrassing now, um, given all that has happened in recent years. But I, I was obsessed with politics, as, even as a small child. I just loved the idea, I suppose, of the power, really. And I never. Good to be honest. It's good to be honest. I never forget it because I remember as a child, people were like, "Yeah, you won't want to be that for long. You won't want to be that for long." And then I suppose I, I soon realized why you would not want to declare that you wanted to be Prime Minister of the UK, given our relationship and history. But as time went on, then I wanted to be Taoiseach and I always wanted to be Taoiseach. And like that was up until I was uh, well into my teens, up until I was probably about 16 or 17. I think I did it at Peace and the uh, Ray Darcy Saturday show where they were like, what's the future hold? And I was like, Taoiseach. Um, so that was my aspirations. But as time went on, I suppose I've kind of changed in a sense. The first one is I think you get a lot of hassle and less praise more hassle and I don't think it's it's very easy to get things done and I'm often of the opinion that unfortunately while being on the inside used to be a great way of getting things done things mm -hmm. done I think being on the outside is probably a better way to be able to influence those people and influence policymakers because if you have that attention if you have that spotlight you can influence those people to do a lot of things um, and I think that's something that I'm probably looking more to now than actually getting into politics um, and I think my mother's happy about that because <laughs> she's fond of the idea of having a politician in the family and um, not just because of the uh, traits of politicians but I think the, the abuse and the backlash wasn't something and I'm not really into this whole localized government thing either and I, I say this now and it might be for the sins of me but I, I'm not really into the small, you know, day-to-day -day stuff of trying to get things done locally. I'm more of a bigger picture person. And I think yeah. that Ireland has a huge role to play in the bigger, wider world. And I'd like to be the people person behind that. I'd like to be maybe a European level where we're actually trying to influence real change, not trying to get potholes fixed, you know? Um, yeah. Which, which I, I think it's, as you said there, like having that kind of independence, do you know, that you're not tied to anyone, you're not having to shut your mouth when you're told, if that makes sense, do you know, yeah. um, do you know, I think that 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 is Tied a far more a powerful. Pre, a a pre-contrived ideology based on whatever party you're in, basically. Exactly. You have to behave this way. Can't, I've always been asked this question. I get asked all the time is, you know, what political party do you support or, you know, where are your political allegiances? And I've always said I have none because I really don't think there's a benefit to having them. Like, obviously, I lean a certain way politically. I famously said, that I'd never date a shinner. So you can be fairly clear that I'm not that side, right? But I generally don't support any party, right? And I just don't see the benefit in because I'm an individual. You know, I have my own thoughts and ideas. And while one political party may be a little more in line with what I think, it's never going to be completely in line with me. And I'm not really sure I can support something that I don't fully and wholeheartedly support. And I just don't think political parties are designed for that. Now, I might run as independent at some stage for some role of some some. Uh, standing but I don't think a party politics is really for me because as you said I don't want some guy calling me up going actually I can't say that you know you're not allowed to say that 
I want to make my own mind up on those things. You want to be the person making that call saying you can't say that, mate. Yeah, take down that stupid tweet, you moron. You're not supposed to be saying that or you're not supposed to be in this hotel during a lockdown when all of you home and you're drinking with your mates. Yeah, I'm sure that'd be great fun too, but uh, yeah. And so I'm going to take it, not to take it back a bit, but going around the, the, the whole area of, you know, at the moment we introduced you here and you're probably getting introduced, as you said, in most places as... 19, 20, 21, 22 year old Harry McCann. Do you find do you find that there will be a stage come where that won't be the defining character? And and do you want that stage to come if that makes sense very soon? Or do you want to be that person still for another couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't want my age to define me. Um it was my unique selling point for a very long time, um, and still probably is, but like I suppose from an educational point of view, I always sought higher and further education for the simple fact that I have a lot of experience. I've had a lot of experience over the years. I'll have more experience as the years go on, but I'd like to be in a room as the expert in something or as a authority on something um, rather than being, you know, the young person who can provide a generational view or insight. Um, and, and that's something that I've always wanted to be, you know, I've never solid education just so i can say i'm an expert in something because i don't believe that you know education necessarily equals being an expert but i think from my point of view it's, it's that i've always tried to push myself forward and move myself forward so there does come a stage where somebody introduces me as harry mccann you know the not expert on anything I'm, I'm, a, I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none but um I, but, what, I, but whatever title they use for you anyway it'll be harry and that'll be it <laughs> yeah I'm not, like i just want to, i want to be an authority on something and somebody go oh he's not just here because he's 22 but because he has x amount of years of experience and has this and that to offer you know but like i can't i can't knock the tw- 19 20 21 22 thing because I, I used it and it worked for me and it's been a huge advantage for me in years gone by so i don't knock it but i just don't want it to be the ever defining thing because i think when i become like 38 you know harry mccann he's 38 years old it's probably going to sound a little less impressive <laughs> they don't say your age when you get to that no age. you're just kind of just your name to that stage you're yeah. old then yeah you're old yeah, yeah. yeah. you're not young never mind being old yeah so so the next stage right you know going on from that you started uh you started the digital media agency you're going into the big bad world of marketing and branding and digital marketing where did that come from so i suppose i i do have that fascination as i said with this idea that the dream of a connected world and the power of technology i suppose that's always been something that's been big for me um and i've always tend to i've I've always been a a good communicator i think an effective communicator in, in many ways um, and over the years, as time went on, people were asking for tips and tricks and advice on things. I've always done Twitter particularly well. I managed to do well there. I'd good connections with those platforms. And then people were like, oh, well, maybe you could come look at what we're doing. And I suppose as time went on, I'm, I'm really interested because there's a lot of, I suppose I look at marketing in the sense that, you know, everybody has a product or everyone has a service or whatever it might be. But, you know, when you're in a very competitive market, it's your story. It's the way you push across your messages. It's what's important to you. It's the, it's the why, not necessarily the how. And, and that's what I really want to try to push across for people is that even if you are one of a thousand, you can still be, you know, the, the unique one there. And I just think there's a lot to marketing for me. There's the storytelling aspect. There's the creativity point of view. There's the innovation point of view as well. And it's ever changing and ever evolving and ever moving. You know, TikTok's the thing now. It's Snapchat a couple of years ago. It was Facebook at the beginning. And I just like that. It's, you know, it's ever changing, ever moving, and there's no real boring days. Um, there hasn't been anyway so far. I could be wrong, but uh, I think it's it's just for me, it's been something that's really fascinated and interested me um, as somebody who likes that, you know, moving and changing and swapping and, and jumping in and out of things. 
And what, and when you, if a brand approaches you, what area do you, is it social that you find yourself leaning more towards when you're starting to look at maybe strategy or day-to-day work? Is it the social side you're, you're focusing more on? Yeah, I, I, like I usually if a brand comes to me, it's that it hasn't worked for them or they haven't done it at all from a digital point of view. Um, so it's usually very digital based um, and it tends to be a lot of bits and pieces. Like I often find that people start off with the best intentions when it comes to social media and online and their brand online and their digital aspect. And then they get really good and they do certain parts of it really well. And then over time it becomes bitty and it becomes kind of scattered and it becomes a little less you know, important to them and a little less valuable. And they end up having a lot of really good stuff, but it's all messed up and mixed up. So I just try to clean things up a lot of the time and then really put a plan of action in place as well. Because I think in a lot of cases for a lot of people, it's just a lack of a plan. Um, so, you know, it's trying to get things clean and tidy. It's as simple as having your logo done up, your color schemes, everything like that, obviously from a basic point of view. And then having, you know, good content to support it. A lot of people come to me and they go, oh, we want to do social media, but we want to post, you know, 16 times a week. And I'm kind of going, okay. How many times you post at the moment? None. I was like, well, maybe you should set out like your expectations a little bit smaller and then we kind of work our way up, you know? And they go, oh, well, you know, the guy across the road posts 15 times a day. And I, I look at the guy across the road and he gets three likes on one post and two likes on the other and nobody interacts with the other one. I'm like, okay, but maybe we could do quality over quantity, you know, and maybe we could try to beat those people and, and try to work our way up. And I've had clients and a lot of them at the moment who are, doing that you know they compare themselves to their neighbor if they're a business and an actual shop or you know a lot in the food and beverage and hospitality industry at the moment they compare themselves and they're going to go it's quality over quantity and um, so digital stuff is my kind of thing messaging um, is another big thing as well what you actually do trying to get that clean and slick and tidy um, and then general kind of customer interaction as well is a big thing a lot of brands get interacted with a lot by customers but don't actually interact interact back it's kind of a pet peeve of mine is that yeah. I hate I hate messaging a brand about something and you know they know they've seen it but they just haven't come back to you and that kind of annoys me a lot especially when you rely on those kind of feedback and reviews and stuff so I'm a bit of everything and a, a lot of nothing all at the same time as everyone well I'm the opinion marketing is just gone boring like so <laughs> yeah it is like the majority the majority of stuff you see out there nowadays is just is cat like it's, it's just bored same shit different day what annoys me what annoys me at the moment is I find I'm dealing with a lot of people who have been marketing for the last 20 years or so and used to take out newspaper advertisements um was their thing you know we used to be newspapers all traditional advertising and then they jump into the social media stuff and I'll go to a meeting and they'll question me on x y and z but they've never even looked or they've no idea how Instagram or Facebook or Twitter works or none of those stuff, but they're trying to, you know, manage it. And I'm kind of going, I'm not like, look, I'm not for pushing people out, but I'm like, you know, you need to keep up with these trends and keep up and upskill yourself. And I kind of, that's what's frustrating for me is that I'm trying to deal with people who never used before, but seem to think they have an understanding of it. And that's what is frustrating at marketing at the moment. I think we're kind of in a, an interesting space where there's still a lot of people in marketing who are, not very digitally focused or online focused, but have been with an organization or a brand or a business for a long time and they haven't progressed. And as a result, those businesses are suffering. You'll be there in 20 years time now. There'll be some artificial intelligence advertising conglomerate. You'll be like, fuck it, no. What are the Instagram likes like? It's like, <laughs> went out of business. Went out of business 10 years ago, mate. You're, <laughs> you're over like... I had a very funny conversation and it will, there'll come a day when somebody will play this back to me and goes, you're the irrelevant one now, I suppose. But I <laughs> given out oh, it happens to everyone. Yeah. She was, she was giving out to me about how um, I didn't have in, in every Instagram post I put up, I was like, you know, click the link in our bio to find out more or to buy this or to do this. And she goes, why don't you just put the link in the post? And I was like, 
it's not how Instagram works. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't do it. He goes, but you can. And we're, we're talking to each other. And going, you can't. And I'm like, it's, but you see. Well, like, you can. You just can't do it. Wish it. Yeah, you can. Like, it's useless. Like, you, can put, you can put a series of letters. That she, are was, she, was, she wasn't wrong, Harry. She wasn't wrong. <laughs> no, she was, because it's not a link. She yeah. was wrong. And I was like, oh, I, but that, that's, that for me was the biggest thing. And I'm like, it was just such an obvious thing. It was like somebody had never used Instagram before. And I was like, it's the equivalent of a barman knowing, not knowing that a Guinness should have a head on it, you know? It's like, it's just, it's just so frustrating and annoying. But from, that's from my point of view, I suppose. But look, as I said, I'll be irrelevant in 20 years and, and somebody will be moaning about me and I'll be moaning about them. So I suppose it's, 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 a, it's a vicious circle. You'll be giving out about the young people at that stage. Mm. <laughs> complain about the young ones who uh what's what's people say young lads who've never worked a day in their lives that's, that's what it. i get i get a lot of that so you're moving now up into the world uh what did you say you're going to study now in you in where are you going ucd dcu dcu um, dcu i'm studying political communications for my sins and, and what's the what's the planned outcome out of that oh good question um <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm taking it one day at a time. I think from my point of view, um, I have my hands in very, very many pies at the moment um, and a lot of different opportunities. And from my point of view, I am, like I said, I'm a, I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none. Um, but I often think, you know, being the master of none is being better than a master of one in the sense that I want to try a lot of different things. I know for a fact that the stats and statistics support the idea that, you know, I'll work 20 or 30 different jobs in my working life because that's the world that we live in. It's ever changing and ever evolving. And I want to be somebody who changes and swaps and jumps in between things. Um, it's funny. My biggest interest, I think, is probably in the radio uh, sphere, which is gas because people laughed at me a couple of years ago when I said that. And they're like, for a guy who loves change and moving worlds, you know, you want to jump into an age-old field of radio, but I think it's probably more relevant than ever before, especially with podcasts now. Obviously, it's it's just moving into a different space, a more digital space. So I think for me, radio would probably be the, the dream for a couple of years anyway. Um, but I think I'd probably swap and change. So I'm not going to pick one thing, but I think from a digital point of view, a marketing point of view, um, radio, media, journalism, politics, it'll probably all tie into something um, in that sphere anyway, but I, I don't know. And, and, you know, I'm not really bothered either. I'd, I'd worried about it a few years ago, trying to pick what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be. But at the end of the day, as I said, the stats supported, I'll probably work 20 or 30 jobs. So I'm in job, whatever I am now, and I'll be in job, whatever I'm going to be in a couple of years, but uh, that's future Harry's problem anyway. So I, I won't. Yeah, anyone, anyone who knows what they want to do with 22 is a moron as far as I'm concerned. So that's a good answer. Yeah. Well, I, 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 actually, I want to change it. I know exactly what I want to be. Um, no, no. T shock. Our prime minister of the UK. Oh, God. Can we put that part out? There's no editing here. Off the record. Very good. Look, really appreciate everyone. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. We're going to finish it up there. Uh, thanks very much. Look, phenomenal career so far, and we wish you only the best going forward. And best luck to studies when you when you go into the new course. And, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, cheers, lads. Appreciate it. Cheers, Harry. Nice one.